This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. Welcome to another episode of Plato's Cave, a film criticism show and podcast. I'm Stuart Richards and with me tonight in the cave are Lisa Kovacevic. Hello, hello. Hello. And Felicity Ford, Flick Ford. Hello. How are you both tonight? I'm good. This is kind of odd for me. I'm out of control. I know. I just realised what a control freak I am. It's so <laughs> weird not to be angry. <laughs> it's quite nice too because I, don't, yeah, have to, I can... don't have to think about directing the conversation or what to say. It's all on you, Stu. <laughs> power is mine. <laughs> and Flick, how are you? I'm I'm finally better. Good. Just took a month, but <laughs> I'm better again. <laughs> Great. Well, it's good to have you with us, 100% healthy. On tonight's show, we take a look at the Scandinavian co-production Thelma and Netflix sci-fi thriller Tau. But first, it's the sequel no one really asked for with <laughs> Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Directed and written by Ol Parker and based on a story he co-wrote with Catherine Johnson and Richard Curtis... The film is the sequel to 2008 Aberfield jukebox musical rom-com, also called Mamma Mia. The film picks up five years after the first film. Donna, originally played by Meryl Streep, has passed away a year earlier. Her daughter Sophia, Amanda Seyfried, prepares for the grand reopening of her mother's hotel. Her father Sam, Pierce Brosnan, is there to help, while her two other dads, Bill, played by Stellan Skarsgård, and Harry, Colin Firth, and her fiancé Sky, Dominic Cooper, are unable to attend, much to Sophie's dismay. We also learn of Donna's worldly adventures 25 years earlier. This time, Donna is played by Lily James as she meets the younger versions of Sam, Harry and Bill as each fall in love with her. And of course, the film also stars Cher, Julie Walters and Christine Baranski. So, Flick, care to share your thoughts? (laughs) Well, firstly, I have a tiny bit of resentment towards you, Stu, because you chose this. And (laughs) I I used my once a year birthday pass on going to see this. And I feel like it's gone on my track record somehow. So I'm just like, I'll just get that out of the way. Uh, So, yeah, I so I hadn't actually I have seen the first Mamma Mia um, and Obviously, this is terrible, but this film kind of helped me understand why people liked the first one. Is that a weird thing to say? But I I finally, like, it sunk in. I was like, oh, I think I get why people like this. Yeah. Whereas with the first one, I was like, I don't, what is this? Why is this a viral phenomenon? When, When did you see the first one? Okay. Well, Did you see it when it like in two thousand eight when it was released? No. no. So I was living in London at the time, and there'd be people queuing up to see it. There was like a it it played for like forever, and there'd be I just never understood it, and I thought that was really super strange. Um, and there's a someone in my family bought a, D, a DVD copy and gifted it to someone, and it stayed in its wrapper and was just re-gifted <laughs> throughout the extended family, like, it, ongoing. An in-house probably, joke or...? Uh, no, I think someone just, like, you know, when you just can't yeah. decide what to get someone for yeah. Christmas, last-minute gift buying, and it's. I think it's still in rotation. I think it's still in the plastic. But I, at some point, uh, yeah, years and years and years later, finally saw it, and I was... When someone opens it, the yeah. ghost of Meryl Streep will come out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I, yeah, it was weird watching this one, though, because I realised I had remembered nothing from the first one. I have seen it and I was just watching it. I was like, oh, is that a thing? 
Yeah. Did you guys have that same? Well, I actually I have an, another confession to make. Every week I have a confession. Like my confessional in the Plato's Cave. Um, I, I'm not going to say how, but <laughs> I accidentally, I hadn't seen the first one, right? Hmm. Ever. But and my family, some of my family members are big ABBA fans and stuff. They're like, it's great, it's great. And I'm like, oh, I'll leave it when I see it. I'm not an ABBA fan. and um, But I am a musical fan. I actually do mm. like musicals, you know. So it's strange that I hadn't seen it. Anyway, for one reason, or a very embarrassing reason, I started watching what I thought was Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. <laughs> Oh, yes. Well, halfway through it, I was like, wow, Amanda Seyfried, she just does not age, does she? She just looks beautiful. She looks like a teenager. And then I was like, halfway through, I was like, oh, my God, this is the first one. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, so I look, it was good, though, because it gave me the context of when the second one actually did start. And um, so that was good. I had that sort of reference point. I I thought the first one was uh, kind of appalling. (laughs) I thought it was, like, hilarious the way that they'd sort of tried to, um, you know, make some sort of narrative out of these songs. It was like trying to crowbar a narrative in there, you know, to make yeah. these sort of, it was like join the songs, you know. Mm. Um, and I just thought it, and it just was, you know, it was it was so many archetypes and like just such heightened acting, which is required in, um, you know, the musical theatre yeah. genre and stuff. Yeah. But I just, I actually thought Meryl Streep has never been at her worst. It was just such a bad performance yeah, in terrible. that first one. It was can't like, no, yeah. she could not sing, but in this one she could. And, mm. um, in the first one too, that her performance was just like a teenager. She was acting like a, a, a hypo, the caricature of what mm. a teenager is, but she was like an older woman and I thought, mm. oh, God, this is just I, not working for me. Yeah, there's a scene in the second one where uh, the younger Meryl St- what's her character's name? Donna. Donna. Younger Donna, Donna mm. um, goes into a store and then comes out wearing the dungarees that are kind of like she's famous for in the first one. Mm. Yeah. And I had this weird like traumatic response of like memory, like, <laughs> like a, a flashback to yeah. the first one. I was like, oh, she was you really were obnoxious. Yeah. yeah. She was triggered by those dungarees. I was like, oh, that's right. I really didn't like her. It's strange, isn't it? But but look, all that said, I I sort of thought, I watched watched this with my cousins who, you know, very much will happily Mm. embrace pop culture and Mm. stuff. So they were good people to go see it with. And I thought, yeah, this film is kind of like the litmus test for the type of person that you are. Are you a joyous, fun-loving individual who knows how to embrace their inner cheese ball-loving childlike wonder? Or are you a shriveled up old prune bent on draining the joy and fun out of fun pop cultures, oh. poppiest pop film. You know, like I think yeah. I could I could have just, you know, ripped it to shreds, you know, particularly Pierce Brosnan's attempt at singing. I, I actually think he's better though. I thought there's an improvement. Oh, that's good. I don't he's know. put in some, some work. Well, maybe that it's just the, the song choice maybe for mm. this one. It's a slight improvement. Maybe. Like, I just yeah. felt that this one actually asked us to, to laugh along with yeah. it, whereas the first one took itself yeah. a bit too seriously. Yeah. And I thought that this was actually really fun, tongue-in-cheek, um, not more so than when Sher randomly appears at the end of the movie. <laughs> that was hilarious. I was just like, where did you come from? And as my cousin said, she goes, I think that she approached them for this one. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I love the Interestingly, well. she was, because there's uh, Christine Baranski, who some of you may know from The Good Wife and The Good Fight, who I adore. She, um, her character Tanya was originally offered to Sher mm-hmm. and Sher turned it down. Oh. Yeah. So Tanya's being one of the friends of the yeah. Meryl Streep character yeah. in Mamma Mia. Yep. Mm. Who has the best lines in the yeah. film. Um, there's when they come across Andy Garcia's character, um, Christine Tanya, the character, she says, be still my 
beating vagina. Yeah, mm. I mm. actually had a good lull at that. That line. was great. I, I was so by myself, and I felt embarrassed, just yeah. like laughing very loudly. <laughs> that line. I, I wonder if that if that sort of improvement in dialogue and tongue and cheek yeah. stuff has come from Richard Curtis, who is yeah. is a now has a writing credit mm. on this, who's very famous for Love Actually and yeah. uh, Notting Hill, is it? And what was the Fifth Forwardings at a Funeral and Bridget yeah. Jones's Diary and all those sort of really mm. well crafted rom coms. Mm. I think that sort of elevated this a little bit. There's some yeah. real yeah. good stingers in there, like there's something like that's what she called karma and it's pronounced ha or something. Yeah. <laughs> good line. <laughs> really good line. Yeah. And also he works so well with ensemble casts and so like mm. he got that feel through. It's kind of weird. Like I, so I, my brand is very much like just like really super upsetting European cinema. Oh, so me I too. Feel like I'm there like with you. Ruining, yeah, it's like ruining my street cred right now. But I also really love musicals. Like I have a, a real soft spot for them and I've watched like nearly every single musical on repeat. And so I kind of got swept up in it a little bit yeah. this time. Yeah. And the, the, the number for Waterloo was, I thought, really strong. Like the yeah. choreography's no, solid. The choreography's excellent. Yeah. Oh, the choreography's yeah. really yeah. strong. I loved this. I did not expect <laughs> to love it because I... Come saw, on, Stu, you yeah. did so. <laughs> no, I didn't. I saw the first one. It was in, We were in a share house and we were all morbidly hungover one afternoon and it was the same... Sorry, this is such a like trend for you, for your <laughs> yeah, viewing. That you're like, we were having like a bag of wine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we... And it was the similar ca- case with you when you come ac- mm. when you watch the first one, where it's just a DVD that just gets passed around people. Yeah. And, and then my housemate at the time, Liv, hated musicals. Like she was just oh, wow. allergic to them. She just mm. could not stand musicals. So I, so she was on the couch, and I jokingly put this DVD on, and I left the room. And it started, and she was too lazy to get up and take turn the DVD off. <laughs> so that's how we watched the first one, and it's really terrible. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. like, I thought the first one, like, the, the, the way all the ensemble characters kind of work together, don't mix. Yeah. No. Choreography's terrible. Mm. And they don't, I mean, some of the singers, like Meryl Streep, Pierce Brosnan, Colin Firth, they're not singers. No. And the, the first one doesn't manage their inability to sing. Where in this one, they do. They're singing a lot more softer songs and the songs they are given don't require huge vocal mm. ranges. No. So I thought it was really smart. And the first one... And it was we laughed at that original. Like they just kept on singing poorly, but <laughs> this one they're in on the joke. Yeah, I yeah. think yeah. So totally. when, when they're all dancing together. Um, yeah, I, I, mm. so I really, really liked this. There's actually film. like a lot of joy, and I was—it's yeah. kind of weird. So one of the beefs I have with the original, well, many of them, <laughs> I've got a lot of issues just with that one. first one. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, why am I narrowing it down? But yeah, I have a lot of issues with the. The, the film and like the the whole setup because I was just like I just don't care about like the romances in it and yeah. I actually mm. don't think it's kind of fascinating it kind of occurred to me where I was like there's an element of radical feminism to these films <laughs> in the sense that the romance is actually not between her and the dude or her and it's a very strongly mother. about female friendship and mm. the mother daughter relationship. Mother daughter, yeah. Yeah, and I think yep. that that. Yeah. It not, I'm not like, do not pay to see this film and it's not great. <laughs> in fact, it's pretty bad. But if you are gonna watch it. It's like that's a nice part of it. I yeah. thought that was the strongest part of it. I, there's yeah. a lot. There's a there's a lot of heart to this film. Yeah. I I saw it at the West Garth and it was. I felt a bit creepy because I was the only adult male there by themselves, and <laughs> it was all of these families <laughs> with their kids, and yes. then just me. Um, so I, I was preparing to hate it, but then just kind of seeing all the joy on all the families. Yeah 
faces. Like the kids loved it, mm. and they and there were kind of the moments that sort of there were clear jokes aimed at children yes. that work. Yeah, um, and then there are you know the beating vagina jokes aimed <laughs> yes. at the adults. Yes, uh, yeah, and so yeah, it's a really fun experience that I didn't expect to be swept up in. And, yeah. yeah, and it's very much like just to. Um, I suppose they focus so much, and this is maybe a bit um, reductive, but they do have, like, all these hot babes and it's just, like, very much catered for a straight female audience to gaze at these men. And it's kind of interesting just having that slight shift in in what the focus is where it's just, like, especially, like, having older women on screen, Mm. having them be these, like, really loud characters who take up so much, but who are the centrepiece, and then having the focus be on their friendship and the strength of those bonds, Mm. and then just having these hot dudes just, like, float in and out of their life. I was like, this is kind of great. All of these hot guys swanning around topless, and then there's that great scene where the younger Tanya character just waltzes up to... um, Sam, the young Sam, and she's like, I just wanted to let you know that I visually enjoy you. Yeah, that was a great line. I loved that line. Yeah, yeah it yeah. was really telling you. One of my only criticisms is that Colin Firth or, you know, the guy, the Bridget Jones guy, as my cousins called him, or the Mr. Darcy guy, um, is really underutilised. Yeah, I find him so, yeah. but I found him absolutely hilarious whenever he did have the screen, which mm. was very little time. I thought that he was like a real, you know, an outstanding sort of comic presence in the film that could have been played a little bit better. And um, there's another comic standout, which was this, um, I think the actor's name is Omid Jalili. Um, He has this sort of scene-stealing... thing where he's he's like a passports control officer on some port to this fictitious Greek island um, and I, I thought that he was hilarious and apparently I missed it but if you stay beyond the credits there's some there's some more fun to be had there. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. so there's a, there's a post-credit scene which I really hate the idea of post-credit scenes. It's mean. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, hang on, as yeah. an aside I'm very pro them because it forces you to wait and, and watch the yeah. credits. And also, yeah, 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 you should yeah. know everyone who's involved. Yeah. Yes, that's true. That's true. But there is a, there is a really funny post-credit scene involving him. But I love it with his character because he's in both uh, time periods and he obviously doesn't age a day. And I love that this film logic... Is this Colin Firth's character? No, the passport passport controller. There's no logic (laughs) to him being the same person in these 25 years apart and, like, hasn't aged a day. There's no logic to this film. Like, when there's a musical um, when the younger Donna is packing to go travelling... The song starts with her friends casually having a glass of wine. They sing, they drunkenly pack her bag and drunkenly go down the road um, sort of with her clothes falling out of her suitcase and then that's how she starts her journey. Mm, mm. That's right. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. just no logic to any of... I, no, yeah, but I, I think I, that's part of it. I love, I mean, it's but I love it, yeah, 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 yeah. It's it, ridiculous. It was a weird sort of sequel slash prequel hybrid, but mm. it sort of worked, I thought, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's camp and it's, you know, hypo. Was But it was reasonably well cast. That yeah, that prequel um, cast was oh, quite good and the singing are, was excellent. Mm. Um, I forgot the name of the actress who plays Don, the young Donna. Do you know Stu? But she, Lily James. Lily James. She was mm. the lead in the recent Cinderella film that I took uh, my five-year-old to see. I thought she was atrocious in that, um, <laughs> but she's excellent in this, and she she sings really well, mm. and you know, it's quite it's quite a good turn. I think the, the the casting is exceptional here. Like beyond the film actually being, you know, a bit shit and fun and mm. campy, mm. the casting of those younger actors I think is incredible because there's the Jessica Keenan Wynn actress who plays the younger Tanya. She 
I mean, they, none of them do, like, uh, perform... They don't perform the older characters at all. They really do something else with the way they kind of... The, the int- idiosyncrasies of how they move their face. Is that and, the bomb with the bob? Yeah, the bob. Oh, no, I thought that she was just literally doing a, a caricature of the older one. I actually thought oh, really? she... Yeah, I did. I thought that she just sort of, like, studied her and then replicated that performance. Uh-huh. But I actually yeah. thought she did it really well. Yeah. Like, she was... Yeah, I thought that's probably why she was hired and she looked the part. Yeah, she you did. Know. But yeah. apparently... Apparently, we don't change our hairstyles in 25 years, according to this film, though. That's, that was quite funny. Um, also, just as we're talking about casting, is it a bit uncomfortable that Cher was cast as, like, Streep's mum? It's like, what's the age difference between those two women? Oh, so, yeah, oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, not yeah, to yeah. be mathematical about yeah. it, but it's pretty, it pretty was, close I thought age. it was really funny and, um, and tongue-in-cheek when she rocks up and Amanda Seyfried's character was like, Grandma, you weren't, what are you doing here? You weren't invited. And she's just like, it's the best kind of party. And I thought that was a real sort of tongue-in-cheek joke yeah. from, from the crew or the filmmakers because I was like, you weren't invited, Cher. What are you doing here? <laughs> she's just like, I wanted to be here and sing, you know. I <laughs> loved really her hilarious. It was hilarious. Uh, yeah. So it was, happens at the end of the film and it's just yeah. like out of nowhere. It's like <laughs> there is no like reason for you to be here in, yeah. in this plot. But it was, it kind of worked because yeah. again, the film is very self-conscious. It's sort of asking you to just go along with mm. the ridiculousness of it all. It's got like a real daggy kind of wedding vibe to it. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. You just sink into it and you have a few wines. It's like perfect. Yeah. 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 It's, great. It's, yeah. it's pretty good for a sequel, you know, of this sort of caliber. I was so scared because I went to see the last sequel I saw with like my cousins that I saw this with was my big fat Greek wedding too because you know well we're Greek Cypriots so you know we took our grandmother we took our yaya to go see it and Mm. we thought this would be a fun day out and stuff it was the most atrocious film I've ever seen and I was so scared that this would be the same no one spoke after it we just like let's just go get some (laughs) Savlaki and pretend it never happened (laughs) but this was great I thought this was you know a bit of fun and like you say Stu I think it's good sort of family Mm. fair like Mm. I actually probably could have taken my musical loving five year old to see this and it would have been okay yeah Yeah. I yeah, yeah, I think it would be a good film to take your mum to if she's really into musicals. Yeah. I was watching this being like, you know, that's yeah. a good one to have. Yeah. yeah, The Onion have a really great review where they say, uh, Mamma Mia is a film which you can either choose to enjoy for the perfectly fine piece of entertainment it is or live out the rest of your existence as a miserable killjoy who slogs through life recalling it anything remotely joyful or upbeat in the world. It's your choice. Exactly. <laughs> that's my point yeah. too. That yeah. litmus test for like yeah. who you are, sort of, you know, yeah. just whatever, I mean, go just, with it. Just for the record I do think it's terrible yes but I do too I I do too flick yeah I think it's terrible too but you know it's good terrible there are I mean the the transitions between past and present are good yeah. oh my god there are yeah. some yeah. moments when oh yes yeah some really filmmaking moments were great yeah. like of like a, a scene that turns into a painting like a scene in, in a park then all of a sudden mm. it turns into a painting of a scene yeah. in a park that's in a restaurant and it's really clever filmmaking yeah, yeah. And i can't remember the song it was but when they're in the french restaurant and they break into song oh I, waterloo waterloo yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Like, that's my favorite one yeah because um, in the all the chorus the the background performers because usually those kind of tacky chorus numbers, you just get a collection of white people, man and woman, man and woman, dancing in the background. Mm. It's mixed race. You get um, oh, yes. one person's in a wheelchair. wheelchair. I saw that. You get same gender couples in the background yeah. as well. Yeah. Like it's really, I think there's a lot Inclusive. there for I, I yeah. think that 
whoever, like, when they were working on this, they actually gave a lot of thought as to why people liked that first one. Like, mm. it's, it's almost like they were surprised by the success of that first mm. one. They really seemed to put a lot of thought into, like, why do people like this? Mm. What should we hold on to? Mm. And so few sequels do that. So it's few true. sequels, it's like, did yeah. you even watch the first film? But yeah. this one, I think it's an improvement. Agreed. Yeah. So we have been discussing Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, which is playing in wide release now. You're listening to a podcast from Community Radio 3RRR in Melbourne, Australia. So to continue with our Scandinavian theme tonight, the Plato's Cave crew went along to the Scandinavian Film Festival last Friday night to see Norwegian thriller Thelma at the Westgar Theatre, which sees a lonely young woman, Ailey Harbo, from a religious family struggle to make friends and connections with those around her. The film opens with a young Thelma and her dad hunting in the snowy wilderness. With his gun trained on a doe, he momentarily shifts his aim to his young daughter, bracing himself to shoot. He relents and puts his gun down. Cut to 2017, and Thelma is now a sheltered and isolated young adult living in Oslo to attend university. There, she meets another student, Anya, and falls in love with her. Thelma soon discovers that her feelings for Anya trigger telekinetic powers. The film is directed by Joachim Trier and was Norway's selection for the Best Foreign Language Film Oscar. It's also a co-production with Sweden, Denmark and France. And just a little note that the film does feature significant strobe lighting effects which may affect those that are photosensitive. So, Lisa, your thoughts on Thelma? Yeah, I didn't think I was photosensitive until I saw this film. It actually Mm. did Mm. make me feel really unwell. I was like, oh, my God, I almost got a sense of what it might be like to have Mm. an epileptic fit or something. So, yeah, please don't Mm. see this if you suffer from anything like that because it was quite intense. Did you close my eyes. Yeah, Yeah. I had to look away. (laughs) It was intense. Um, Yeah. Look, I thought, you know, I thought this filmmaker, I haven't seen his previous work and I should, you know, really educate myself on on his canon. Um, But I thought he's a really competent filmmaker. It looks like, you know, he's probably studied De Palma and Hitchcock and um, Bergman. And, you know, he has a really wonderful aesthetic um, and he creates a, a like incredible atmosphere in this film. Um, and, but it's basically an exploitation horror film. Like it reminded mm. me a lot of Carrie from the 1970s. Um, is that a De Palma film actually? Carrie, I think it is. Yeah, yeah mm. it yeah. is. Um, yeah, it's sort of that sort of monstrous feminine type of um, vibe going on here. It just made me want to dive back into my uni books and read yeah. Barbara Creed again <laughs> yeah. um, because it, it felt like it could have been, you could do a really mm. good, you know, um, analysis of this one through a, you know, Julia Kristeva's lens or something. Um, uh yeah, so look, it had the markings of a good horror film, but it, to me it just didn't amount to anything. So it, w- it was lots of um, foreboding, um, you know, it's about, it's really about female sexual desire and trying to contain it. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's lots of, and it's lo- it ties female sexuality to an animalistic quality, which is a, a lot of what Barbara Creed would talk about, um, you know, that sort of, denying the male order and that sort of threat that, that the the female body has to the to the male order and you know um, mm. there's lots of symbolism you know in terms of snakes and birds and um, whenever she feels sexually sort of aroused you know these sort of kamikaze birds fly at windows and stuff. I mean doesn't that happen for everyone? Yeah. <laughs> That's the norm. I don't know what you guys are doing. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I mean, you know, like those things, it was all, uh, you know, it looked like he was exploring lots of good, interesting ideas, but I just don't feel like he really knew where he wanted to go with them. And mm. so it left me wanting a lot. And yeah, and it also just sort of went, it was a little bit too long, but, but you know, I just thought visually he had such a good eye such a he did build a wonderful world around this film but it just sort of went didn't go anywhere for myself Mm. Flick what are your thoughts on Thelma well I really love the director I'd seen Louder Than Bombs which is um his uh like family drama with uh Jesse Eisenberg uh Isabel Huppert who I just adore (laughs) um Gabrielle Byrne and I've forgotten the other son's name but anyhow it's a really excellent film And I suppose I really enjoyed Thelma because of that connection to that film where I think that he's so good at setting up complex and very, like, nuanced family interrelations where you get a sense of this, um, I don't know, this really fascinating father-daughter relationship in Thelma where you're not really sure where to position yourself. And I think we're we're so used to these sorts of films where you're like, oh, it's going to be this really dark um, history to the the family and you're kind of this Mm. sense of like tension there. Um, But I thought it was wonderfully um, elaborated on in terms of just like really restrained in, in the sense that you're not quite sure what the nature of their relationship is and um, what you would kind of do in that situation and you know that your child has this like amazing power mm. and also the the violence of her of her um, of her as a person and I, I don't know I kind of love it as this like queer coming of age story and I thought that the the girl's relationship was so believable and so I loved the I don't know they just built up the sexual tension between those two young women in such a very beautiful way and very believable way and I thought that that was for me more of the focus than perhaps some of the supernatural stuff which I wasn't that into mm. um, but I thought thought, I don't know, I feel like the film was really strong, like both in like the visual representation of that, his restraint, like he's a, he has, he's not, um, he's made quite a few films, but he's still like um, at the start of his career. And I just thought it was like amazing restraint just to not force the story um, for us. Having said that, <laughs> I have a real issue with that like repeated imagery of the snake. Yeah. Because yeah. A, I am petrified of snakes. I had to close my eyes every time that snake came on screen. And B, it's like, Come on. It's like you're talking about Christianity and, like, the guilt of, like, being brought up in a really strict um, religious family. And I was like, do not... Do not have a snake. Never like just one oh one filmmakers. Do not go for the snake. It's like so such an obvious one. Yeah. And literally, yeah. like I felt like both the imagery was forced down our throat, and then when the snake <laughs> goes down our throat, I was like rolling my eyes. Yes, like, really. <laughs> yes. Having said that, yeah. I did like the film otherwise. Yeah, yeah, there's a there's a slowness to how the film builds. Uh, mm. I really love the editing of some of the sequences, yeah. where how the scene plays out. You're not given all of the information sort of at the beginning of a scene. You get these really tight camera shots and then it slowly builds and you get more information. Like when we first meet the parents uh, as adults and we find out that the mother's in a wheelchair, you don't really get... So that's not revealed till like about halfway yeah. through the scene. And then there's another moment when the two of them go out clubbing and it's just kind of snippets of their night and you're not sure where they are or what's happening and you've just got to sort of play it by ear that you know, they've been drinking and they've been dancing. And so I really love those moments uh, and sort of that, yeah, that kind of slow building of the connection between the two of them. Yeah, and I think that that's the director actually giving the audience credit where he's like, you'll be able to piece this together. I'm not going to take you too far away. 
And it's, I, I just think that's a real, real skill because mm. it would be tempting to just fill that in and be like, and when you decide to release that information, how as well? Like so often films just get really lazy and it's like it'll be through some someone being like, well, back in blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Whereas this was all visually, a lot of it was visually communicated, which is much more difficult and mm. is much more open to interpretation. But he took that risk and mm. I was like, really? Mm. It's not perfect, but it's like it was, it was a really good effort. And that opening speak. scene when they're hunting, mm. I mean, mm. when he kind of, moves the gun onto her. That was chilling. Yeah. You could just hear the the, the entire audience gasp. And how wonderful to set the tone with that because I remember, yeah, we were all watching it together because we were a cute little party going on Friday night to see some Scandinavian cinema. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, that was like, it's so wonderful to open with that. Like it's such a great opener. And even the the final scene is also, you know, soft but... It's it actually yeah. yeah. It was great because it did it did set a really good tone and and like you say, like it is really restrained. I think there it was minutes before anyone spoke from memory. Like I, mm. I remember yeah. feeling like oh I don't think there's been any dialogue yet because mm. it is a foreign language film and I was like oh I actually haven't seen any subtitles. You know it mm. sort of yeah. dawned on me that he'd sort of pulled. It, it was very visual as you say. Yeah. Like it is much more visual than it is yeah. um, leaning on dialogue, which I I enjoyed that about mm. it too. There was something I just feel I just feel like it just did not amount to anything I just there was no revelation to me or it was just sort of using a lot of tropes of the genre um but in a really good way like I think that um you know I think that he's very sophisticated in his filmmaking Mm. and yeah like I said creates a beautiful world and I'd love to see I think he's got the skills so I just would love to see what he could do with a more fully fleshed out idea I think yeah yeah Mm. but the the way anxiety is um, conveyed cinematically, I mm. thought was incredible. When she's going swimming and then she has the panic oh, attack I loved that underwater, scene. that's incredible. Yeah. Also, just as an aside, and only because it's just fresh on my mind, but um, I thought that the way he communicated something of the queer experience of that sort of like self uh, self loathing that's if yeah. you grow up in a homophobic society and I, it kind of reminded me of some of the um, conversations that Hannah Gadsby's um, yeah. then it brought up of that feeling of like even mm. if you can logically say there is nothing wrong with me yeah. there's also still your you know it's yeah. something felt and I thought they communicated it so well through yeah. maybe like not that into the, the whole like mystical spiritual thing but maybe it's like a mm. lovely metaphor for that yeah. for that experience oh, it is. Yeah, and it's yeah. very. I think it's very true to this sort of the mm. genre of using uh, her sexuality is so threatening to everyone around her mm. that she then starts to find it herself threatening to herself. You know, yeah. it was. Re- I agree. Mm. It was. Yeah, that was handled really, really well. Yeah. Three triple R. Finally tonight, we are taking a look at the Netflix film Tao, directed by Frederico D'Alessandro. The film stars Micah Munro as Julie, perhaps best known for her lead roles in It Follows and The Guest. Julie makes a living stealing things in sleazy nightclubs until she is kidnapped and wakes gagged and bound in a darkened jail cell with two strangers. She attempts to escape but is stopped by the house's advanced AI bot, Tao, voiced by Gary Oldman, which is owned by tech entrepreneur Alex 
played by Ed Skrine. It's revealed that Alex has inserted an, uh, an implant measuring her neural activity. Now, unbound and released from the jail cell, Alex allows her to wander around the house as she's still needed for his experiments. When he leaves her alone in the house, Julie works on forming a bond with Tao in her hopes that she can use it to somehow escape. I'll just briefly run through my notes that I put on my phone um, <laughs> after watching this film. Professional film. We can all yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Professional film critic. Beat massage? Question mark. A shitty, a shitty ex machina? Question mark. That was basically my review. Oh my god, that's oh. so similar yeah. to mine. Oh, we're all reading our phones. Yeah. You, you go yeah. flick, and then I'll do mine. Um, I, I actually had a, the misogyny remark as well. Also, <clears throat> I was thinking an ex machina as well. I was just like, mm. um, I, I had that. Well, I'm not going to quote exactly because my notes are incomprehensible. But I was basically, I suppose the the main thing for me was just like it was just reminding me of all these films that I didn't even really like that much, like Cube. But I was like, oh, I wish I was watching Cube right now <laughs> yeah. rather than this. Yeah. Um, and Ex Machina was an obvious one. Yeah. Even like the start is like slightly Blade Runner esque. Like yeah. it is. And, and it's fine if you budget borrow. Blade Runner though. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah, like Recession mm. Mm. Blade recession Runner. Blade. <laughs> yeah. But there's that thing of like um, there's that thing of like if you do that in a film and it can be done really well where you're like reminded of great cinematic moments. You have to like it has to be something there. And it's just like, mm. if you just remind the audience, like, hey, remember that great film? And then you're just like, yeah, why am I not watching that right now? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. even like, Cube is not a great film. Cube is a terrible film. Yeah. Yeah. But I was like, it made me, it like turned it into a masterpiece in comparison where I was like, oh, Cube had like structure, it had a climax, it had like characters, there was great action scenes. There was like, development. Suddenly, yeah, the best thing about this is it just like raised up Cube in my mind. Oh, I have a funny <laughs> anecdote about Cube, which is even mine it's my my husband's but he was watching like i think it was traveling through southeast asia or something and you know you can buy back then you could buy the cheap dvd rips and everyone was doing it and he got the cube one and he's watching it back home in australia and he was really stoned i shouldn't say that on air but anyway he was but but it turns out like then he's watching the movie and you know it's about people trapped in a cube they're gonna get find their way out and at one point he's this voice going i'm trapped in the movie and he was like oh my god God. And then he realised that he thought, and it was the weed talking or something. Then he realised that um, someone had filmed the film in a movie with a camera and had taken a call during filming the film and had said on the phone, "I'm in the movie." That is so good. <laughs> oh my god, that's so good. That is so much better than this film. Yeah, these, are, these were my um, iPhone notes. I should brand my phone note my smartphone notes um, my <laughs> smartphone which is probably smarter than the AI in this film um, orphan assassin trope yawn why do evil geniuses always listen to classical music just once I'd like them to listen to ABBA yeah Man- <laughs> mansplaining is his undoing another yeah. AI <laughs> yeah. yeah yes seconded yeah. <laughs> another AI anxiety dream oh and this line, which which speaks to your misogyny um, point, is he says to her, she's like, "Can you get me some real clothes?" At one point, so she's trapped in this room um, with <sighs> this with this guy who, like, you know, her captor, who's this evil guy. Well, I don't know why we need to see him. It would have been much better if we never saw him and she was just trapped in this space. But anyway, we see him and she's like, please, can I have some clothes? And then he's, he says no. And then he does go out and buy them. And he says, I, I gave the woman at the shop my credit card and just got her to buy everything. Um, and then I also got you some sexy underwear because I didn't want you, to, I didn't want to come off as prudish. What? And yeah. also, okay, so I have a so slight, yeah. I have a slight confession. <laughs> I was definitely double screening during this because I hated it. 
it. And yes. I was like at, in my office, so I was like, I'm just going to like do some admin while I'm watching this. <laughs> and some of it was related to the film. I was just like Googling like, what What else was this person in? But I um, I caught the end of that and I was just like thought that I must have misheard it because it just sounded really messed up. And I was like, oh, I think I misheard that. Oh. No, and then didn't. I was like, I could rewatch it, but I'm not going to watch like make this 10 seconds longer yeah. than it needs to be. It was atrocious. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, there was just so many holes in it as mm, well. Yeah. Like why was he, um, why did he need to test out this artificial intelligence on a oh, human anyway? That, I, I mean, know. the whole project made zero sense. sense. And yeah. he was having all of these like board meetings in the house. Also, yeah, I loved how it was like that pseudo philosophy. There was this one line, I wrote down <laughs> this one. For what reason do we create ourselves? And then she responds, the, like, the main uh, actor, for each other. Oh. And I just like eye rolled so hard. I was like, that makes no sense oh, at all. She's a really good actress. So she, it, she's it, good. It follows yeah. and the guest. I mean, she's kind of known. She got she got dubbed as like today's generation scream queen, which right. she really hates that term. Yeah. Um, but she's the best thing in it. But yeah. that's not saying much. But no. she is the best thing in it. Yeah. Oh, but so it, for, for such a like the AI for such a like supreme being <laughs> supposedly <laughs> he has like zero knowledge. Like Wikipedia has more knowledge than yeah. this AI. He's yeah. like called Google. Yeah. I yeah. Know. <laughs> He's like where do cave what are cavemen? Where do people come from? And it's yeah. like the most sophisticated <clears throat> that yeah. this sort of philosophizing gets is I think therefore I am. I'm like, yeah. I'm sorry, we figured that out how many yeah. centuries ago. And yeah. Also, so it kind bad. of like, it reminded me a little bit of Pokemon, like how he kept get, keeps getting his, like, <laughs> he gets getting yeah. wiped, his memory wiped. Yeah. And I was just like, all I thought about was like, he's just like a fancy Pokemon. I'm like, yeah. not into And this. I love that Gary Oldman went from that shitty Churchill film to now this shitty AI film. Yes. Oh, I which know. Which he got an Oscar for. Which somehow he got an Oscar, Oscar for, for, which he shouldn't have gotten. Yeah. So bad. Yeah. 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 He's, he's joining that crew of people yeah. that make really bad choices after winning an Oscar, like yeah. Adrian Brown. After the piano, what's he doing mm. now? But there is sort of the ongoing, um, the ongoing sort of theme of sort of violence imp- impacted upon her yeah. character, which is just yes. gets to the point where it's like, all right, we get it. She's yes. being abused. Like, yes. yeah, blonde yeah. girl gets abused. Yeah, yeah. 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 So Tao is streaming on Netflix now. You may or may not want to stream that tonight. We also reviewed Mamma Mia. Here we go again, which is playing in wide release, and Thelma, which is playing this weekend at the Scandinavian Film Festival. You have been listening to Lisa Kvacevic, Flick Ford and myself, Stuart Richards. Thank you to Faith Everard, who edits the podcast version of the show, and to Lisa, working the decks tonight. Oh, Thank you. You're welcome. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.